0: Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation, you shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders. The rod of their oppressor is at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be burning fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. That verse has been in my mind since for as long as I can remember. As a young child, I was expected to memorize it. As a young man, I was expected to recite it and even as a young adult, I was expected to go through life hoping, watching, praying for the long-awaited promise of the Messiah. I remember there was a number of times where there was a young leader who would spring up and make promises of deliverance. But each and every time, One by one, they would fall either due to the sin of man or or to the harsh reality of death. But either way, their reign would be undermined. After a period of time, even my peers would lose hope that the promise of the Messiah would come, at least within their lifetime. And I don't blame them. After failed leader, after failed leader, after failed leader, they begin to give up hope and they get focused on just worrying about their own survival. They get sucked into the monotonous routine of ceremony at the temple. But not me. I remained focused on watching for the Messiah, looking, praying, hoping, because I was told by God as a young man that I would not die until my eyes saw the Messiah. As I grew older, I'd become an elder in the synagogue, I would be a, a man of wisdom at the temple. I would spend my time trying to focus and remind the people about the promises that are in the prophecy of Isaiah, that there will be a savior born to us, a champion of God, someone who would deliver us from our sins and reunite us with God. But more and more, my people were more interested in a political victory than a spiritual deliverance. As I grew older, they would give me the respect I deserved as an elder, but they would look past me as irrelevant because I still hoped in the Messiah. As I grew older and my death drew nearer, I was Ready and waiting because I knew the Messiah's arrival will be imminent, but I was never prepared for that one morning when I met him. I woke up that morning and I just, for some reason, I knew that morning was the morning. And I got dressed as I normally would and I began my ascent up to the temple area where I would take my position that I took every other time, a position where I would sit and pray, worship, teach, and watch. I remember that morning I was trembling, excitement, and I began to wonder what would the arrival of the Messiah be like? Would it come with the fanfare of a king? Would it come with the riches and the glory that belong to God? Would when he arrived would he glow like the sun or would he be would he stand in perfection as a creator of all? I began to watch the crowd looking for couples that would be fitting to be the parents of the Messiah. I saw saw some couples that were just full of beauty and popularity. I saw other couples that were clearly filled with riches. There are other couples, as they walk through the temple, you could tell they had influence, not just in the temple area but also in Rome I began to wonder which of them would be the parents of the messiah off the corner of my eye I happened to notice this modest couple they were in line to purchase two pigeons to make a sacrifice to God i remember being sad for them because the sacrifice of two pigeons was reserved for people of very modest means who couldn't afford to give anything of more value to the Lord. And I remember thinking how hard their life will be to be poor already early in their family. It meant a hard life of labor for that man. But I remember looking at him and thinking, he looks strong enough, he can handle it. But then I was about to turn back to glance around the crowd when the voice of God filled my heart and my mind and he said, Simeon, she's the one. I was stunned. She's the one? That young girl of modest means Who's going to train the Messiah in the Torah? Who's going to empower him and give him the prestige he needs to gain the attention of mankind? Who's going to pay for his ministry and his plans? But God simply responded and repeated his message. Simeon, she's the one. I don't know what came over me. I just started to run and and cry out to him, stop, wait, I need to talk to you. And it was as if God was parting the Red Sea again with that crowd of the temple area. And they, they just parted to allow a crazy old man to go run right through the middle as if possessed by something. And indeed... I was, because at that moment, the power of the Holy Spirit came over me and equipped me and empowered me for what was to come next. As soon as I caught up to the couple, I took the hand of that young girl. I told her, you're going to be the mother of the Messiah. Your child is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the champion of God, and he will pay for the consequences of our sins and reconcile us to God. And I was expecting her to be shocked, perplexed, maybe even a little afraid. It's not every day a young girl would hear such a message, but Mary just looked back at me as if she already knew. That's when she began to tell me everything that had been happening to her. She explained how the angel Gabriel came to her and shared with her God's plan about the conception. Mary shared with me how an angel came and talked to Joseph and how even her relative Elizabeth, who was well beyond childbearing age, had given birth to a son whose name would be John and he was going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. Mary talked to me about the shepherds a group of outcasts who were just watching their sheep in fields when suddenly an angel came where the glory of God surrounded them and the angel pronounced the reality of the coming of the Messiah she described how then the, the sky was filled with heavenly hosts glorifying God Proclaiming peace to all people who would place their faith in Christ. So, my testimony was just one of many, one of many confirmations that Mary had already received, but now she can add an old crazy man to it, coming to her and affirming to her that her child would be the Messiah. At that point I asked Mary if I could hold the baby and she just handed him to me as if she had grown accustomed to that question. I took the baby in my arms and he fit as if he had been created for this moment as if he had just come just for me. And as I held the baby, I was suddenly filled with this hope. This hope that nothing is impossible with God. I was overwhelmed by this peace. All of the anxiety of my life, the fears of the future, the questions that plagued me, all of those melted away in this peace that's beyond human comprehension, just consumed my heart. And suddenly I had this overwhelming joy. that was overflowing in my life. And I had this experience of love where I was confident that I was reconciled with God. Overwhelmed by all of those emotions of tears coming down my eyes, I looked down at the face of this child... and as i looked into his eyes his eyes were like something i had never seen me almost see the light of god in his eyes and when he looked at me that child wasn't just looking at me the glancing at my face it was almost like he was peering into my soul and he was piercing my heart and at that moment i was convinced that this child is the Son of God, the long-awaited and promised Messiah. Overwhelmed by the moment and filled with the Holy Spirit, I just found myself lifting the baby up to God, and I uttered these words that would be recorded in Scripture and found in the book of Luke for generations to read. I lifted the baby up and I said oh holy God this is your son the promised champion the Messiah who will finally reconcile mankind to your relationship with you God, praise you. You have fulfilled your promise to me. I have now laid my eyes on the Messiah. And not only to me, but you have fulfilled your promise to all of creation and to your people of Israel. You have delivered us with this Messiah. And then I looked at Mary and Joseph. Joseph is said, this child is going to be a blessing to so many. But this child will also be a trap and a snare for those who are rebellious before the Lord. This child will deliver so many from their sins and reconcile them to God, but this child will also be the judge to those who do not accept the mercy of God. this child, this child's life will be filled with blessing. But this child's life will end in pain. And that's when I looked at Mary. I said, Mary, you will have to endure immense pain as you watch your child deliver salvation for the world. I looked at them. They said, this child... Is sent by God to be a blessing to all. But he will deliver us through his own painful sacrifice. But that's when I looked at Mary and Joseph and said, little children, don't fear. For God is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. He will fulfill his plan. And this child will grow up to accomplish it. So at that point, I gave the child back to Mary, and I was expecting all of those emotions to flee. I was waiting for the hope and the love and the joy and the peace to dissipate as the child left my presence and yet they did not as if when I was holding that child they rooted themselves into my soul. Not only that but they grew moment by moment and day by day for the rest of my life. After I gave the baby back to the couple they just blended back in To the crowd. They didn't demand any fanfare. They didn't expect any splendor. As if they were content. Being a part of the plan of God. Well, at that point I was ready to die. I had received my blessing, I had seen the Messiah, but God, for whatever reason, saw fit to allow me to live for many years to come, and so the rest of my life, I followed the model of Mary and Joseph. I demanded no fanfare, I expected no splendor. In fact, for so many who know the Christmas story, very few know mine. And so I spent the rest of my days telling this story of the day that I met the Messiah and the way he transformed my life from that point on. And every time I told that story, I lit a candle as a symbol of the light that I saw in that child's eyes so long ago. So this morning I light this candle symbolic of the light of Christ the light of Christ that filled my heart with hope that sustained me through my trials it's the light of Christ that filled my heart with peace my angst and worries melted away confident that the peace of God would guard my heart through Christ Jesus it's the light of Christ that filled my life with joy after holding that baby my life was never the same and it's the light of Christ the light of Jesus that allow me to understand love not as the world gives, but as God. This Christmas, my hope for you as the light of Christ may fill your heart as it filled mine. May you experience hope that will sustain you through your darkest days. May you experience peace A peace of God that transcends all human understanding. May your life be filled with joy that isn't dependent on riches, power, or fame, but solely dependent on the love of Jesus. And may that love give you confidence as you draw near to the throne of grace this Christmas. God bless you and Merry Christmas.